So this morning, we, we are continuing on with our series on covenant. Uh, we are covenant, talking about what the covenant church believes and uh, talking about some of, of who we are as covenanters. And if you remember, it's been a few weeks now, uh, but we had the first was the, the fact that we affirm the, uh, the affirmations of the, the whole church. And so one of them are we are an apostolic church, which means that we follow the teachings of the apostles in the Bible. We are a Catholic or universal church, which means that we follow what Christians around the world believe. Uh, and so we are brothers and sisters with people all over the world because of this. We are a Reformation church. We are an evangelical church. We talked about that. But as I were talking about that, I was realizing how broad the church is. That As covenanters, we have always said, uh, Lord, I am a friend of all who fear thee. So even though we may have uh, differing views on uh, secondary issues, the fact that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that God created this world and that the Holy Spirit is here among us, that is enough for us that we can still meet together, even if we have disagreements on things. But I also realized that how deep the covenant goes, that we go right to Scripture, that uh, the Bible is the perfect rule for faith, life, and conduct. And that's actually the first affirmation, the first official affirmation of the covenant is the centrality of the Word of God, that we base our lives on Scripture. And we listen to our brothers and sisters who have gone before us, the saints and tradition. We listen, we, we hear from them, but ultimately we rely on the Bible, on how we should live, how we should treat each other. Then we talked about, too, the second affirmation of the covenant is the necessity of new birth, that all of us need to be born again into this new relationship with Jesus. I was talking with um, a friend of mine, and he was talking about, you know, kind of almost religion as a thing of, and here's a list of do's and a list of don'ts, and as long as I have more do's than don'ts, I'm okay. You know, as followers of Jesus, as covenanters, we realize that as helpful as that might be for behavior, ultimately, our faith relies on a relationship or is based on a relationship with Jesus that's central to who we are. Then last week we talked some about, uh, sorry, last week was the necessity of new birth. And this week we're going to be talking some about uh, this commitment to the whole mission of God. And, you know, we start asking, you know, like, what do we mean by whole mission? You know, is whole mission, is that just uh, telling people so that they get saved and they go to heaven? Or is whole mission just uh, helping people with food and with clothes? Or is it some of that altogether? I think to help us, uh, we have a video um, of the two pastors from the covenant. And Rick, if we could just show that now. The affirmation around the whole mission to the whole church is really important to emphasize because often we don't see all the connections. They're supposed to be there, they're biblical, they're in our historical roots, but sometimes we just don't connect things from point to point. And it's hard for us to see maybe how spiritual and individual growth also connects to social, political, and economic issues. The commitment to the whole mission of the church really came alive for me when I was very young. I attended the Elmendorf Reformed Church in New York City. The idea of doing church wasn't doing church in a building, but it was indeed doing church in the community. It was about what are the needs, what are the issues that face people in the various communities and in the community that you're in. Uh, how do you deal with life issues? And so church for me, faith and all of that was evangelism and action and the movement of how God really worked in a holistic sense as opposed to just one narrow frame. Harold's background reminds me of the wealth of biblical background we have for doing this kind of whole mission. 
the affirmation states a few of the verses. And as a covenant, we always talk about keeping the great commandments and the great commission together. So the great commandment says, love God with all of who you are, and of course, love others. That's part of loving God. And the great commission tells us that we need to go into the whole world, make disciples, and baptize. The reason we in the church keep these together is that we think that personal salvation and an understanding of Christ as Savior relates to how we serve God, which relates to how we love others. So loving our neighbor as ourself, caring about the mission in the world, is part of our own personal salvation. There are almost too many scriptural examples to cite them all. One out of every three times that Christ speaks in the New Testament, he's talking about caring for the poor, the afflicted, those on the edges of society. Christ tells us that this is part of how we follow him, this is part of our walk as disciples. And the prophets in the Old Testament spoke about this constantly. They named the widow, the orphan, and the alien as the three most vulnerable people in society. The covenant, from its early inception, when Henry Palmblad gave an, an impassioned speech on the floor of the annual meeting, was able to say, we need to be involved in compassion, mercy, and justice. Out of that speech that Henry Palmblad gave came the home of Mercy in Chicago. In the Home of Mercy, it was a hospital, an orphanage, and a senior care center. This was a significant time in the history of the U.S. because those people were virtually discarded. So it was the church that stood up and said, we need to care for these folks, and we need to be about mission, and we need to be about caring for those that have been discarded. These early covenanters that Harold was talking about were called mission friends because of this deep sense of mission. And there was no dichotomy for them. There was no question about do we do evangelism or social justice? Do we look for the personal and the individual or do we minister to a whole community or a whole country? The first missionaries we had in Alaska in 1888 built schools and educated children and families while they built churches and educated people on the faith. And our early mission work in China also modeled the sense of holistic mission. This tradition carries on today for our church. Current missionaries today continue this. They build fish ponds, they help people build corn silos, they teach job training skills, and they build churches, work on congregational development and discipleship training. It's always been a both and on the mission. For the training of our pastors, we hope that they will understand that there is not a dichotomy, uh, that it is holistic. And in that, we have formed the Department of Compassion, Mercy, and Justice, which continues to give folks the opportunity. And that ties back into our, our historical roots as a church of the, of the development of evangelism and mission moving forward. Younger people really understand this idea of holistic mission. They don't want things separated. They don't want personal is different than communal or that my faith shouldn't react to the rest of how I live my life. Often what I've seen is that many people who aren't maybe sure about church can, can get this idea of compassion and justice and international outreach and they will come to churches to learn more about that. So this means that loving our local and our global neighbors is central to our religious expression. My introduction to this kind of work really happened when I was in college at North Park. And I was exposed to a new community. I was working with refugees. I was doing all kinds of work through the Urban Outreach Program. And these women and children at the shelter became real people to me. It wasn't a statistic. It wasn't a fact. It wasn't something you could kind of explain away or say they must not be working hard enough. This was a woman, Lola, and she had a son, Damien. 
They were names, they were faces, and they were people that had nobody else. There was no safety net, there was no other place for them. And I realized more the depth of suffering and the depth of need in a lot of communities that I just hadn't been exposed to. And the more I learned in my theology and in my education, the more those experiences became obvious to me. This isn't how our world should look, and this isn't what Christ wants from us. And we're told over and over that Christ cares about this, that this is part of God's mission he's already doing. I am absolutely passionate about this because of the fact that as I understand what God has called me to be, to be a follower of his, that I have got to be able to love my neighbor as I would love myself. It's become such an integral part of my faith and my discipleship and I just feel like it's such an opportunity. I get to be part of these things. I get to go alongside churches and communities that are reacting to what God's doing and getting to be part of that mission in the world. It's just been something that I can't imagine not doing. If I want the best for me, I've got to want the best for my brothers and my sisters. And by the best, I'm not talking material, but I'm talking about a life that's filled with the wonder and glory of God and giving honor to God. I'm a different kind of Christian from it. I understand Christ differently, and I see how God can redeem suffering and God can redeem division and brokenness. God can bring all of us into that. The covenant from day one has really been a movement of people that have been focused on mission and the whole life of the church. And I think it's such a witness when the church can actually say, this is what we are about. And when I can be in places that do that and when I can say to people with authenticity, my church cares about this. My denomination has been doing this for decades and will continue to do it. Please join us and please help us to spread a holistic mission where God and Christ can get into people's lives and can get into communities and can really make a difference. We really do this. We do holistic mission and we keep evangelism and justice together because that's what Christ did. So if you if you watch that video, there are a few texts that were that were in the beginning. One of them was we know it as the the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The second was the great commission. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go and make disciples of all the world. And I wanted to take a look at those two texts. If you would, open up your Bibles to uh, Mark chapter 12. Or if you'd like, it's in this bulletin, if you don't have your Bible with you. Uh, just on the back of the blue bulletin. To take a look at these two texts that, that, that are the basis for what we're talking about here. So if you would, read this with me. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The next passage comes from Matthew. This is the Great Commission. It's at the end of Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As I was watching this video this week and reflecting on some of what um, Liz and what Daryl talked about, 
realizing first that I was encouraged, but I was also convicted. And as I was watching this video, first I was encouraged because we, as the Balfour Covenant Church, we talk a lot about mission. At least I try to talk a lot about mission. I think it's becoming more and more a part of our culture. And as I've been talking about it, like if one of the things that you might notice is if you look at this bulletin, on the front of it, right here in this picture, it says, loving God, loving others, and transforming lives. That's essentially the great commandment and the great commission. Those were both part of what, uh, what they were talking about, uh, Liz and Harold were talking about on the video here. That the covenant has this commitment to the whole mission of God, of loving God, loving others, and transforming lives. And I was encouraged, and I, I hope actually that maybe you are encouraged by this too, that this isn't just this church in Balfour who has this value. It's the whole covenant across Canada and across North America, covenant churches around the world. We have this value of mission, of telling others about God's love for them, and not just telling them, but also showing them, demonstrating God's love. And so I hope you're encouraged to hear that this is not just something we do here, but covenants, covenanters around the world live this way. And that's also encouraging for me, too, because as we read Scripture, as we read Scripture and arrive at this place where we think mission is important, telling others about Jesus' love for them, blessing them, helping them, that our brothers and sisters, our covenant brothers and sisters across Canada and in North America, they are arriving at the same place, so much so that, that mission isn't just something we talk about or an extra opportunity. It's actually one of the of six affirmations of the covenant church, this commitment to the whole mission of God. So as we talk about this, not only am I encouraged, but I'm also encouraged by you, this church. As I was writing my sermon this week, I was thinking I am proud to be a part of this church family because I know the stories you tell me about mission, the mission that you are on. I know some of you might not think, well, I don't, who do you mean, Jason? I'm not in any mission. But I know the stories you, talk, you tell me about the times when you've had dinner with your neighbor on purpose so that you could bless them or the, the neighbor that you brought meals to when you found out that they were sick or the times you organized block parties or kids camp or your neighbor that you go and visit every Wednesday because no one else does. Or the times when you go to the bakery every Thursday to go and to be present and to bless others, to talk about faith. I know these stories that you have and I'm proud to be a part of them. I'm proud to be a part of this church family. But I'm also grateful too because as we talk about mission, I think I would dare say that for most of us, we don't think of mission as a trip you go on to some foreign country, though that is part of mission. That, for us, is not the limit of it. Nor do we think of mission as just an event that we have at the church. We talk about mission as the way we live our lives. We are constantly on mission. And I can't help, Jill, I, keep, I tell people this story all the time about when you went to Rwanda and then you came back. If you remember, Jill was saying that when he went to Rwanda, he went there for the school, and he's kind of thinking, you know, it's, opportunity to, to bless people. And he gets there and he sees that already everyone is already Christian. That before school and during school, and they would have time for prayer and they would talk about faith. And then, I don't know if you remember that he said, but when he came back here to the Kootenays, he realized this is where the mission field is. This is the place where you weren't allowed to talk about faith at school. This is the place where it's awkward to talk with many of our friends. We start talking about our faith. And they start looking at us like we're crazy or they start getting frustrated with us 
This is the mission field. All of you, all of us, are missionaries just by the fact that we live here for us to be a blessing to our neighbors. So at first I was encouraged as I watched this video and talking about the whole mission of God, I was encouraged. But I have to tell you, I was also convicted. I was convicted as they talked about the whole gospel for whole people. I started thinking about that, about ways that uh, we, or especially myself, in the mission, the ways that I express this mission. Usually it's more, I end up talking with people about their faith. And I, I'm feeling the Lord saying, Jason, you need to do more, or I would like you to do more in blessing people, in helping people. It's interesting, about a hundred years ago, there was this great split in the church. The Protestant mainline denominations, they went for something, they called it the social gospel, where they would try to help people. They would try to feed people, provide all sorts of organizations and institutions that would help whole communities or help loads of people all at once. The trouble is they often did that and it's almost like they were kind of embarrassed to talk about Jesus. They were almost embarrassed to talk about the miraculous things that he did, that he healed people, or that Jesus died on a cross and rose again and because of that, sin no longer keeps us. We actually can be uh, connected to our Father in heaven again. It was almost like they were embarrassed to talk about that. And so they didn't too much. And they did lots of great stuff. They really helped a lot of people with a lot of things, but I think they missed it because they didn't help people know Jesus. Well, at the same time, there was uh, an equal and opposite reaction. There was the, the fundamentalist groups in the Christian church. And they went the other direction. They said, well, you know, we don't like what this group is doing. They're not even talking about Jesus. So we don't want to be like them. So we aren't going to be very helpful to people. We're just going to try and get people saved. And it was almost like they were saying that, you know, life is so short, we don't have time to help feed or clothe or house them. We just need to get them to pray a prayer and believe in Jesus so that when they die, they go to heaven. And I don't have time after that because there's so many more people I need to get there. And it's almost like they would neglect people. They, would, they were so focused on the spiritual that they would neglect that people had bodies, they had needs, they needed food. That sometimes people can't hear you. Their stomach is growling so loud they can't hear you talk about the gospel. Or that sometimes they have, they're so occupied with the place, where am I going to sleep tonight? Or what am I going to eat tomorrow? That they can't hear us saying Jesus loves you. Or they say, that's great, but how does that help me today? That's one of the things I love. And, and, and Liz Rahage, she talked about in the videos that we don't separate those two things. The evangelicals, for the last 200 years, we've tried our best to hold those together. That the gospel is good news for whole people. Not only does it mean like a spiritual renewal, that we have this new uh, relationship, this born-again new relationship with Jesus, that we are forgiven, that he is Lord of our lives and we begin following him, but it affects every aspect of our lives. I believe that Jesus came to redeem whole people, to redeem our soul, to redeem our spirit, but also to redeem the fact that we have brothers and sisters in other parts of the world where they barely have enough food to eat or clothes to wear or their six-year-old has to go to work to help pay the bills. We, as followers of Jesus, as covenanters, we see that these two things, 
telling people about Jesus and his love for them and demonstrating that love go together. And I feel like I have to, uh, to confess to you. I've been convicted this week and I want to apologize to you, our church, my church family, because I find that I tend way more towards the side of spiritual help. And I feel the Lord convicting me, desiring me to be more involved in physical help as well. Helping people in our community who are trying to figure out, how do I pay my bills? How do I put enough food in the refrigerator for my family? I feel the Lord convicting me in that. I was reading James, um, or I was thinking of James, and then I was reading it. And many of you know the part in the second chapter of James' letter, and he says, if you see your, your brother or sister, and, and, and they don't have clothes or daily food to eat, and yet you say to them, peace be with you, go and, and be warm and well-fed, and you do nothing, what good is that? I've been convicted by that this week. Desiring to, to not only pray for people that they would, that peace would be with them, but to be a part of helping them have uh, clothes to wear and food to eat. I feel the Lord convicting me. And it's interesting because I was thinking about, and actually I saw her in this video. Her name was Debbie Blue. Her name is Debbie Blue. She was the former director of Compassion, Mercy, and Justice for the whole Covenant denomination. I, I remember a few times she would talk about, she'd use this analogy, and, and President Gary Walter would use the same one. He talked about compassion, mercy, and justice. He used the analogy of a river. And they talked about how compassion is this, if, if you see people drowning, <laughs> trying to swim as they go by in this river, compassion feels badly for them. Compassion feels heartbroken. Oh, look at how horrible. These people are floating by. They can barely swim. They need help. Somebody should help them. That's compassion. Compassion says, Lord, please, Lord, help them. Please, Lord, do something. Help them get out of the water. Compassion. But there's also mercy. Compassion and mercy is when compassion overflows and you pray, Lord, please help them. And then you say, okay, you're saying I should go help them. And mercy is you go and you start pulling them out of the water. You go in and you start rescuing. So that's mercy. But then they also talked about justice. And justice is when you start pulling people out of the water and you start asking, okay, who or what upstream is throwing people in the water? And justice. And so we as covenanters, not only do we care about people, about their eternal salvation, about their relationship with Jesus, about their realizing that he is Lord, but we also care about their, their, their bodies, their, their whole being, how they're doing economically, how they're doing socially. Do we have compassion for people? <clears throat> we have compassion for them. We pray for them. We have mercy, then we start helping when the opportunity arises, but then we also start uh, being concerned about justice. Like what are some of the systemic things in our culture, even our community here, that hold people down? or some of the things that enable people, that we as followers of Jesus need to keep asking these questions. And I, I would ask, I'm asking for your help, honestly. I'm seeing it because I realize I'm not as wired uh, for the compassion, or excuse me, for the justice aspect of things. I usually think of individuals and people, and I, it's, I have a harder time seeing 
systemic issues that are contributing to poverty in our community or people living in difficult situations, people who are living stunted lives, not living the fullness of life that God intended for them. I'm asking for your help, honestly. Those of you who are, who are just as minded, who, who can see these bigger systems, who can see these bigger things and say, you know, Jason, we need to, to address this. We need to start praying about this. And how can we as a church be involved? So this morning as I was watching this video, or actually this week as I was watching this video, as I've been reading these passages from Mark and from Matthew, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, at first I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged because this whole thing of mission, a commitment to the whole mission of God, is not just something that, that we are alone in doing here in Belfer, but this is something that covenanters around the world are engaged in. But I'm also convicted. I'm convicted because, I don't know about you, but I tend way more towards the spiritual side of things, which is still good. But I feel God saying, Jason, I also want to be involved in helping people uh, physically, economically, socially, whole people with the whole gospel.